flourishing families with Dr. Daughter Blatt, the switched-on kids chiropractor, and her passionate friends, sharing the secrets of inspiring wellness to help your families thrive. I'd like to welcome Emma Campbell from Healthy Coach to our podcast this morning. Uh, Emma, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Donna. Thank you for having me and thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I'm an exercise physiologist and I run a business uh, called Healthy Co who um, specialise in um, paediatric disability. Um, we also we do see... Um, clients who have musculoskeletal conditions and other chronic conditions but 99.8% of our portfolio are kids with um, disabilities. Excellent. So so tell me about what is an exercise physiologist compared to a personal trainer and we get asked that a lot actually. Um, so often the question is, what's the difference between an exercise physiologist as compared to a physio or a personal trainer? So there are um, some similarities, but there's a, um, also a vast difference in what we do. So exercise physiologists um, prescribe specific movements for medicine. So we don't generally diagnose injuries, so that we leave that usually up to the physiotherapists and um, doctors. Um, and you don't, or you do sometimes find an exercise physiologist um, out training people in gyms and, you know, um, in football teams and things like that. But most of the time we spend our time in the middle um, working with people with chronic conditions. So for me, um, I specialise in the disability area, but there are lots of exercise physiologists who may specialise in oncology, um, diabetes. So when you're mentioning those, are you mentioning uh, breast cancer having lymph nodes removed and therefore having trouble moving their arm? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. 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 So, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Exercise, the more and more that they study it, the more and more that they realise if it could be put into a pill, every single person on the planet would be taking it and every single doctor would be prescribing it. And basically the government would be fully subsidising it. So, um, <laughs> However, there is no money in it, so... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so exercise is, um, fortunately for us, finding its way into so many treatment modalities such as a female who may be suffering from breast cancer the exercise can not only help with um, the outcomes um, of the chemotherapy but it can also help that person feel better throughout the chemotherapy whilst also treating um uh, treating side effects of the chemotherapy such as Edema or swelling, um, lack of movement through the body, yeah. pain in the body, all those types of things. So yeah. yeah. So that's obviously not what you said. That's not really your uh, chosen field. Uh, no, uh, so it's not my speciality. I certainly have an interest in it and yeah. follow all of the, I guess, all of the research that's coming out in those areas. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, I've found myself um, in a very specific area, which keeps me really busy. 
um, in the paediatric space. So how did you end up there? Um, So interesting story. Um, I... So we'll go back to um, 2002 when I graduated university. I was um, probably not one of the first exercise physiologists, but I was um, one of the few that came out of the first round of uh, the university degree. So I'm showing my age now. But <laughs> <laughs> nobody really knew what exercise physiologists were when I first um, graduated so I came out and I found myself working where lots of EPs back then were working in insurance Um, and in that space there's a lot of people who were suffering from chronic pain and um, pain related um, illnesses Um, so I got to create a strong foundation on understanding pain the neurological components of pain and how to use exercise to manage that pain. Um, I spent probably, I think it was eight years or so, specialising in that area. Um, Then I had my first son, William, and I couldn't go back to working full-time. It just wasn't going to work for our family. So I started the business Healthy Co. And I thought, I really want to move into maybe another direction with exercise physiology and one of the biggest um, areas that I kept getting questions around was postnatal women's health. So I started educating myself on that area, um, which I found extremely interesting. And I started uh, working in women's health, which then led me to meeting a lot of mums, led me to meeting you guys here at... um, family Cairo and then I um, came across a mum who had a little boy with cerebral palsy and she um, basically we started asking me a few questions she said could you help out I thought oh I'm not so sure but let's give it a go Um, and I started seeing him four years ago and we haven't looked back now my portfolio is full of kids which is great so, so how to, to me that seems like that would be a very different way of doing exercise uh, yeah. to a person. What, what, what? How do you, how do you do it? Yeah. So, um, it does on paper sound like it would be completely different, but I think that's maybe um, why we've been so successful in that we actually don't really treat the kids any differently than I would for a um, able body child I have um I, I want to say I have the same expectations but I don't have the same expectations in that I know that all the kids that I see may never be able to run or they may never be able to um, walk even but um I expect I I guess the same level of improvements from the kids. You know, yeah. we work hard and we play hard yeah. um, in all our therapy sessions, and that doesn't matter whether it's an able-bodied child <clears throat> or a child with a severe disability. Um, I work across all um, all aspects. So, um, I I guess um, that's uh, uh, that's where we find that we're most effective, I suppose. So what would a session look like for a child that has 
with no difficulties learning to walk? Um, okay, cool. Um, great question. Our sessions are all play-based. So um, our clinic probably looks like you're going to a daycare centre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's full of toys, full of mats, and we spend the whole time on the floor. Uh, there's very... we. I use as minimal assistive equipment as I can because I really am trying to um, help the kids learn where their body is in space. So we have a word for that called proprioception. Um, But basically that is um, helping a child learn where their hands are, where their legs are, where their feet are. And and the only way we can do that is um, uh, having as little um, equipment or as little assistance as possible and to move their bodies in in space. So basically we'll start a session on the floor. Our warm-ups are usually, um, depending on the child, but we might play something like uh, the forest game where we pretend that the child or the mum or me, we take it in turns, have to pick an animal and then we have to pretend to walk or crawl like that animal. So it might be a crab or it might be um, a giraffe or it might be uh, a bear. So depending on the mobility of the child. So for kids that are at the stage of sitting we but unable to crawl or walk yet we might pretend to sit up tall like a giraffe or put our hands up tall like a tree wave our hands around um for the kids that are moving we may um uh, we may go into crawl and pretend that we're puppies we may um wag our tails like puppies um sit down on our backsides like puppies and get up and run around um those type of movements for a warm-up then um we get into the more specifics and basically our our exercises will um or our sessions i have goals usually three goals for the session um that might be that we need to work on leg strength we may work on uh, to allow for standing or coming up to standing um we may be working on upper body strength to allow that child to pull up to standing and we may be working on balance, for instance. So yeah. I have those three things in mind and then I usually say to the kids, okay, what are we going to play today? And normally they will lead and they'll say, okay, I want to play drawing on the chalkboard. And so with that in mind, I'll quickly think on my feet, okay, great, we'll start in a kneeling position, we'll transition into the pull-up phase on the with the chalkboard and using the chalkboard to pull up um, into standing I'll assist them in standing and will encourage the child to draw big clouds in the sky for instant instance Great. so that we're in those in just that movement we're working on transitioning from um, from our um, sitting up to standing and then you know transitioning to um, arms up tall so we're using our core stability proprioception all that type of thing so what i hear you saying is uh, that you are mimicking the movements at that a baby will go through in a normal um, developmental um, 
what am I trying to say, development, or I can only think of the Danish word, but uh, continuation. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a normal baby will uh, learn to lift their head up, a normal baby will learn to roll, a normal baby will learn to sit, and then they'll pull to standing, and they'll do Absolutely. So basically you are taking them back to the level they're at, developmentally, mm-hmm. physically, yeah. uh, and try to play around yes. that level. Is that yeah, Absolutely. So... Um, we all generally have an idea of the milestones that a child is supposed to go through. Um, you know, we go from um, laying there unable to do too much, then we go, we get some head stability, and then we start rolling, we start sitting, we start crawling, we start moving. Yeah. Um, most parents have that idea, and and basically they're the they're the milestones that we're working towards with all the kids. Some of the kids have conditions that won't ever allow them to move through those milestones. However, we will assist them in moving their bodies through those milestones because um, as the guys here at Family Cairo will let you know that it's very important for the neurological development of the brain and the body to move through those milestones and there's things called primitive reflexes that um, we need to inhibit sometimes to help the children move through those and that can then um, assist them with their schooling, their reading, their writing and eventually their um, independence and quality of life down the track. So I see it as my job to get the kids um basically um as independent as possible and um and and um our goals of the programs are always working towards that so what what if you have a a normally developing child that refuses to learn to call Yes. So they bum shuffle, or they might do a bear walk, or they might, you know, insist on commando crawling. So they're not necessarily uh, have cerebral palsy or any sort mm-hmm. of, you know, it's not that it's measurable at this particular time anyway. Yes. But you, it doesn't look as if they have got yes. any issues. Yes. What? How, how, can you help a child like that? Yeah, Is it absolutely. worth looking at? Absolutely. Lots of the um, lots of the kids that I see that would prefer to bum shuffle. Um, usually there is. Um, something going on, not serious. When I say something going on, it might just be a little bit of hypermobility. So um, the body will always choose the easy way out, um, and it will always use its strongest muscles first. So um, basically, it's about um, looking at that child and seeing why it is that they're choosing to bum shuffle, and then individually seeking out opportunities to pop them into the position that we're trying, such as the crawl. The crawl is predominantly the position that most children hate to do because mm. it is so taxing on the body. It's hard. <laughs> it requires so much coordination, so much going on in the brain, so much going on in the body. Um, and, I can totally understand why kids want to skip that phase Mm. because bum shuffling, it's a hell of a lot easier. Mm. Um, So how do we in the clinic encourage kids to do it? We basically meet them where they're at. So that means that they would prefer to bum shuffle. So 
then we might we break down the tasks. So the, I won't go into the details specifically about how many tasks are involved in crawling because it's a huge number. It will be <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> but for those that are listening, um, just know that it's a lot. But basically we'll meet them where they're at. They'll be bum shuffling around the clinic and we might um, say to the child, if they're a one-year-old child, um, we might pop toys in front of them and encourage them to put their hands down in front, like we call it bunny hands or puppy dog hands. So they're getting the feeling of their hands on the floor in front of them so they can gain that trust that their hands will support them and they have the strength in their upper body because often that is a big thing they don't Mm. they don't trust that they're they're strong enough to put their hands in front of them um and then we encourage them to start reaching with another hand so one hand supporting them they're reaching for a toy out in front or food. Food's always a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with the bride. <laughs> I know. Um, and then encouraging them to come up onto their knees. And then it might be that we have to um, assist them with the movement, with the cross-patterning movement, we call it, where we do um, left arm, right leg, because uh, their brain actually hasn't realised that that's the best way to move in that position. Mm. Um, so I might assist them in that movement by um, just popping my hands under their tummy and, um, you know, moving a hand to reach and then just a little pop of the right leg. It's it's a movement that you sort of yeah. got to see d- done a couple of times so that you can do it at home. And um, and generally the kids will resist and and pop straight back onto their bottom because that movement is a little bit scary to start with. And again, that comes back to that, that proprioception or awareness of where their body is. And for I liken it to, I tell parents, it's a little bit like us spinning you around and then, you know, 10 times and then back the other way and then telling me where North is. It's, um, it's a really a bit scary feeling for kids to learn a new movement like that. So it takes a lot of patience and a lot of practice. And that's what I would say to parents is don't rush it. A lot of patience, a lot of practice and um, try and integrate it throughout the day regularly. So it becomes a norm and um, you'll be amazed that just one day, like you will walk out of the room and you'll come back and you'll see them moving around that's practicing yes <laughs> practicing because they feel safe in that movement so it's about feeling safe in that movement yeah a, a challenge that i feel parents have is that whole thing of well he doesn't like it mm. um what's your advice to mm. parents for yes i realize i'm feeling a bit unstable shouldn't we just let him bump shuffle because he will end up walking mm. i know um well, he feels he doesn't like it, so there's reasons why he doesn't like it. So um, we need to provide the opportunities for him or her to become to like it. So um, we're really starving the child of the opportunity to um, develop um, and and develop those neurological pathways when we don't spend the time in trying to get them to crawl. Um, so it 
it really is important. I don't want to say that you need to spend half the day with your child screaming and you're trying to push them into crawling, but certainly a little bit of uncomfortable feelings is um, where the learning happens. So um, certainly don't be too afraid to do things that that kids don't like. Of course, we we all try and make them fun. We try and encourage them to do them themselves. Um, we meet them where they're at, all those types of things. But often in the clinic, um, we are popping kids into positions that feel scary for them and we just need to reassure them that you're safe, all is okay, darling. Look, you know, we're going to have, have a little play in this position for a little while and... The more often you do it, the less resistance there is because that feeling becomes safe. Because, yeah, it becomes more normal. Yes. And the growth, I think, for all of us in all areas of our lives mm. is in that uncomfortable zone. Yes. If you always stay in the comfort zone, you are never going to get fitter, you're never going to get smarter because you right. always takes it into things that are unknown. That's right. So, yeah, I think it's very important to Absolutely. provide that safe space and acknowledgement that you're doing something that's not comfortable but we're yes. here for a short time yes absolutely and um, the parents often um, laugh at um, us in the clinic that once the child gets good at some before the child gets good at something we're often moving to the next thing because I'll allow them to practice in their own time you know yes. I'm all about getting the child into my job is to get them into those uncomfortable states yeah to practice it and always be ahead of the next of the current milestone yes. so i'm not wanting them to just stay and crawl once they're crawling or almost crawling i'm already looking we're towards the, to next the next milestone yeah. so yeah. um my day consists of of popping kids into uncomfortable positions and please just know that those kids love and trust me and um still to this day even though they come and see me every week twice a week and often are getting into positions that they are resistive of but they they know that you know and they they trust me as they would trust their parent yeah. Now you mentioned the primitive reflexes. I um I read a study um as you do over the weekend uh, <laughs> on uh, normal adults and the amount of reflexes that were actually present in normal mm. adults. And now uh, I, I'm just I guess I'm going back to that whole thing of skipping the crawling phase or mm. skipping the rolling phase, and and we often think. Oh, it's no big deal, you know, he'll walk anyway. Mm. Uh, but we don't necessarily understand the long-term neurological repercussions. I'm mm. not saying that these adults that had the reflexes weren't functioning well. Mm. I'm just saying that it is more common that these people are out there than we know. Absolutely. And that it means that there is a weak link somewhere yeah. in, in the brain. Absolutely. And um, and you do, you do see it. I've got a couple of friends, actually, who I interviewed because they were fully functioning, very um, successful people, but they reported to me that they never crawled. So I found that very quite interesting yes. um, in the work that I was doing. So I thought, well, um, do I need to be ensuring that these kids definitely crawl when, you know, when yeah. they are resisting the crawling phase? And so I really started chatting with them, digging around what, 
what were you like as a child? Did you find it um, easy to read at school? Things like that. Um, that research tells us that if you have um, some of the reflexes still there, that makes it difficult um, in lots of areas, sport and reading and things like that at school. And often it came up that um, they they found anything that where you're moving across the body. So, so if, for instance, your hand going across to the other side of the body uh, from right to left, for instance, they found things difficult. So I would say, what um, did you enjoy sport? Oh, not so much. Um, I was particularly bad at tennis. Yes, that was the one I was thinking. Yes, particularly squash. They they can't for the life of them hit a tennis ball or a squash ball. And as an adult now, they find that quite funny. Um, But as a child who has to do tennis for sport, I'd imagine that would have been quite frustrating and Mm. quite embarrassing and and those types of things. And, and as I say, it's n- not the end of the world because they've grown up as very um, uh, capable adults. But there are things that they are particularly not good at. Mm. They're, they're not good at um, um, understanding where their body is. So if you spun them around mm. or if they're in a city that they're not aware of, they find it very hard to find their way back things like that um both both of these people that i interviewed were yeah. there's very strong similarities between them Interesting. yeah so yeah. as a kid you know um they're all things that we would prefer for them to have developed and certainly it's not the end of the world but it's it is a very important part of our development and it's never too late to pick up and say, okay, well, I didn't crawl, so I will now. Absolutely. So you're still creating the neurological pathways, Absolutely. even though you are 8 years old or 48 years old. That's right. Yeah. So as an adult, uh, um, physically, um, so I assess, I assess them both physically as well, so uh, these adults have very poor core stability generally because mm. they didn't spend all those hours in the crawling position which is in quadruped or all fours, um, which is very important for our stabilising core. Um, So therefore they do tend to end up with a lot of um, cervical uh, um, injuries or pain um, due to poor posture because their core's not nice and strong. Mm. Um, And, um, you know... We could go into numerous things as to what they have going on. But as an adult, you certainly can. We work on being in quadruped, as silly as it sounds, crawling around on the floor, doing bear crawls, Mm. um, regular quadruped crawls, doing what we call supermans where one arm, left arm is out in front, right leg is out the back while we're in quadruped, those type of things. Anything that you see a baby doing in crawling position. Yes. Um, we need to do with adults to assist in that um, primitive reflex and gaining the strength that they didn't gain in mm. that those early years. Yeah. Uh, and my brain is you know, going all over. This is so exciting. <laughs> uh, uh, when I recently did my course in, um, I did a certificate in neurobehavioral disorders uh, mm. with a, a PhD in, in America, 
And so he, he works with kids that have you know, all sorts of learning uh, challenges. Mm. And he was saying it's really interesting the, uh, the push that we have to help kids that are uh, maybe overweight and, and mm. you know, spend too much time on their iPads or pods or you know, mm. whatever they're, they're doing. And you know, the push that we said, just start walking. You know, mm. whatever you do, just start walking. Yes. Uh, and what he was saying was that that's actually totally, totally, totally wrong because mm. we start too high in the hierarchy of, of yes. um, neurological development. Yes. And he was saying needing to go back to, not necessarily rolling, but going back to the core stability because if you don't have the core stability, you don't get the proper walk and then you're really just setting yourself up for injury. Ah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um so so important and I um I always say to the the families that are worried about their child not meeting the milestone as quickly as other as other parents should or the parents sort of gloating that their child walked didn't even bother to crawl just went straight to walking and then running isn't that great and um, (laughs) I often uh, find myself saying to the parents whose child is supposedly in inverted commas, behind, those kids are the smart kids. They're the ones spending huge amounts of time on the floor, strengthening their bodies, doing the hard work. So when they're older, they end up with all these injuries that are caused through not strengthening the body in the way it should be before the body is, you know, um, up on two limbs and compressed by gravity and, um, you know, running. So absolutely for the parents out there worried that your child still isn't walking in the 15 months or just keep them crawling. (laughs) They will get up. They're just doing the, they're doing the hard work in their early years. That's good. Yeah. Now, do you have any, uh, advice for not not necessarily the kids with, um, uh, delays, but you know, something that you can tell to the parents of uh, the kids that they see here at Family Chiropractic, yeah. something you'd say, This is what I would, you know, focus on. Yeah. Um, so, first and foremost, any type of activity is better than none. So, don't think that you need to enroll your child in um, a particular type of sport, of course, unless they're really enjoy being involved in sport and they're probably not the parents who would be necessarily listening or need to worry about um, or have that thought oh my child's not doing enough activity they'd prefer Mm. to sit and watch the tv or their ipad Mm. and everyone tells me they're watching too much screen time and i'm really worried um so for those parents out there who want to get their kids more active i would say that first and foremost um being overscheduled as a parent yourself and being in a hurry and not having time to play with the kids is probably the worst case scenario because kids will they want to do things with you they want to you to be involved with them and I'm talking kids that are sort of 12 and under of course once they start getting older than that they'd prefer to do things with their friends I Mm. guess but for those kids that are younger they want to hang out with you they want you to be involved in things that they're interested in so 
meet them where they're at. Look, maybe it's about finding something on their iPad that they're interested in. Maybe <clears throat> I actually don't know what's cool on iPads these days, but maybe there's <laughs> there's a game on there that you can play with them in, in real life. So maybe they're watching um, Paw Patrol or um, Superman or things like that. So maybe it's about... Um, you, how about you turn that off and we'll, we'll act out this in real life and then if it's Superman it's it's um, let's let's go to the park and swing from the bars and let's roll and and maybe mum needs to may not be <laughs> fit enough or well enough to be rolling doing tumbles at the park but you know you can certainly jump and move and pretend that you're the baddie and shoot spider webs and all those type of things so the first thing is find out what they're interested in and see if you can um mimic that in the real in real life through movement and again think i guess going back to the start where i have those three goals in mind about what i want to do so if you find that your child probably could do with a little bit extra upper body strength for instance um because they're slumping in their chairs or having trouble holding the pen and writing or you know maybe the swing from the bars would be an excellent thing to do as superman or maybe it's like how many push-ups can you do superman um just think on your feet and just become involved in the play let them lead the play but have the goals in mind about what you're trying to achieve out of it that's excellent advice i love that harder on us as parents because it's easier just to dedicate but absolutely we have kids for a reason we want to absolutely be involved they will keep you fit and (laughs) kids will always mimic what they see so if all else is lost get up and um you know start doing a few little exercises yourself and things like that and and talk about how well it makes you feel and how great you feel and Um, yeah, so don't be irritated that they're jumping on you. No. Use that opportunity to play. Play yeah. with them, yeah. yes, absolutely, because they mimic everything they do and every, and everything that you do they're taking in. So yeah. That's great. So tell us again, uh, who are you? Where can people find you? Yeah, sure. Um, so we're, our business name is Healthy Co. We're in Lake Macquarie. You can find us um, at www.healthyco.com.au all the contact details are on there Um, you can also click on there and follow us on Facebook which is great you can see what all the we call the Healthy Co kids are up to Um, we've got some um, quite funny little snippets of what they're doing in all the sessions on there and all their all their progress so jump on and check it out and um yeah, become part of the little community we've got going on. Sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for coming in this morning, Anna. No worries. Thank you. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the opinion of Family Chiropractic or the host. Brought to you by Family Chiropractic Centre, Charlestown. Serving the families in Newcastle, Lake Macquarie and Charlestown.